Believing in some kind of divine purpose ain't gonna bring me, my wife, and kid back. Past is who we are, Miss McFarlane. There ain't no change in that. Faith is a luxury I can't afford. John Marston, Red Dead Redemption. And welcome to Navi Tales. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Josh. I am Nick. And today we are covering Red Dead Redemption. I don't know what you're thinking. Can't wait for the next one. <laughs> Me fucking either. However, Nick's never played this game. Yeah, I've only played a very little bit of it. And you're missing out on a great game, not only in the sense of the main story or the storyline for Red Dead Redemption, but the storyline for its expansion, which I would argue is one of the best expansions for a video game ever, because it is expansive. Uh, it takes place in the same map. The map doesn't change, but a lot of gameplay elements do. Yep. And um, it takes itself about as serious as zombies in a Western game should be serious. Good. It's fucking great. And it's expansive. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's an expansive expansion. Expansive. Um, but we're not talking about Undead Nightmares today. Uh, we're going to save that for another day because it is its own entity. Uh, to the point where they sold it separately at one point. You could buy just Undead Nightmare. Pocket. It was awesome. Um, so today we're going to just talk about the actual storyline for Red Dead Redemption. Um, so at the beginning, the old American West is dying. And Entroaching technological advances such as railroads, telegram offices, and stronger law enforcement begins to integrate themselves in Western society. The federal government creates the Bureau of Investigation to aid in the process and puts Edgar Ross in charge of the Western region. One of the Bureau's major goals is to rid the region of all of the savage gangs running wild and unchallenged, especially that of Bill Williamson and Dutch Vanderland. Ross decides to use an ex-associate of Williamson's to hunt him down, former outlaw John Marston. By kidnapping John's wife and son, Ross forces him to comply. Thus, John is forced to roam the frontier once again to save his family and earn his right back to the American dream. America. After leaving the region to get uh, his details on his mission, John arrives by the Blackwater Ferry Morningstar and is escorted by Edgar Ross and Archer uh, Fordham through the town of Blackwater to be sent off by train to Armadillo. Once there, John is led by a middle-aged guide named Jake to the walls of Fort Mercer, the main hideout of the Williamson gang. In confronting his old friend, Marston tries to reason with Williamson uh, in giving up peacefully, but this is only results in a rifle bullet to his lower right torso from one of Bill's outlaws. After suffering through the night and eventually passing out on the side of the road, Bonnie McFarlane and her rat ranch hand Amos find John and take him to Nathaniel Johnston's doctor office in Armadillo. After treating his wounds, Bonnie provides John with lodging, food, and drink on condition he helps her around the ranch. John works off his debt of $15 and his life to Bonnie and her father Drew McFarlane by doing various ranch jobs such as night watching, cattle herding, and horse taming. However, Williamson finds out that John has survived and is staying at the McFarlane Ranch and orders uh, his gang to set the barn on fire. John bravely rescues the trapped horses, and Bonnie promises to give John some cattle when he settles on his ranch again. After helping U.S. Marshal Lee Johnson clean up Armadillo and the surrounding countryside of some outlaws, John and the Marshal begin to plan an assault on the fort. To gather a posse, John works with snake oil salesman 
Nigel West Dickens, fun fact, online in Red Dead Redemption, you can play as every character in the game, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I exclusively played as Nig- Nigel West Dickens, because he's a fat guy with a red face and a top hat. <laughs> there was no way I wasn't running around like that. Um, uh, so let me, I'll start this over again. Together, posse, John works with a snake oil salesman, Nigel West Dickens, dysfunctional and cowardly alcoholic Irish, and psychotic treasure hunter Seth Briars. Seth is also a fucking great character. Um, however, their plans of assault are temporarily delayed when they save Bonnie from some of Williamson's men from beatings and death. After heroically saving Bonnie, John and his allies carry out a full-blown assault on Fort Mercer. Using a Trojan horse strategy by sneaking John and a Gatling gun inside the fort with Dickens' sales wagon for hiding. Wes Dickens gives them a flamboyant lecture about what was inside his miracle wagon. John then pops out and kills most of the outlaws while assaulting the fort. However, after the battle, the crew discovers that Williamson had fled the previous morning and went into hiding in the Mexican province of Nuevo Parisio with Javier Escuela. Irish escorts John south of the border to the Mexican province, uh, Nuevo Pariso, where he meets the region's corrupt and evil provisional uh, governor named Colonel uh, Allende um, and his ruthless subordinate right-hand man, Captain De Santa. He is forced to work for them to gain information on Williamson and Escuela. At the same time, John runs into the aging, famed gunslinger Landon Ricketts, who teaches him new gunfighting skills and commits raids on the Mexican army. Marston also aids uh, Abraham Reyes and Luisa uh, Fortuna, two lover uh, revolutionaries working to overthrow Allende and their president, uh, General Sanchez, uh, with numerous revolutionary attacks. He attempts to extract any information possible from both uh, Allende and Reyes regarding the whereabouts of Williamson and Escuela. Uh, Allende and the Mexican law enforcement, however, aware of John's loyalties, betray John and has his men attempt to kill him. However, Reyes and his rebels arrive in time and rescue John before he is executed. John then sides with Reyes and joins the revolution. After killing Captain DeSanta and participating in an attack on El Presidio, uh, which leads to the capture and kill of Escuela, Marston and the rebels lead a full-blown attack on Allende's villa. Unfortunately, Luisa is gunned down by Allende's men. John and Reyes successfully managed to kill Allende and Williamson, who was seeking shelter and protection from the Mexican army. Reyes and the rebels take over the villa and plan on marching to Mexico's capital, fighting for revolution. John heads back to Blackwater in America to meet with Edgar Ross again. Though his business with Williamson and Esquiller were over, Ross tells him that he still needs to kill Dutch Vonder uh, Linde a former leader of John's old gang, or he will continue to keep his family captive. John, along with Ross, Fordham, and the other Bureau agents meet in several uh, fights across West Elizabeth against Dutch and his gang of natives, but he escapes capture or death every single time. Marston also works with the incompetent Yale professor, uh, Harold McDougal. Uh, It's not in this, but McDougal is also addicted to cocaine. Fun fact. Okay. (laughs) and Native American informant uh, Nastas in tracking Dutch down. Eventually, John and the Bureau join the U.S. Army in ambushing Dutch's hideout. He confronts Dutch himself, who warns John that the government will always find a new monster to justify their pay. 
Rather than dying or being taken captive by John's hand, Dutch chooses to commit suicide by falling from a cliff. After the raid, John is released by the government and finally reunites with his family at their ranch in Beecher's Hope. He settles down with his wife Abigail and 16-year-old son Jack, along with old family friend Uncle, and attempts to return to a crime-free life as a farmer and rancher with his family. However, as per Dutch's warning, Edgar double-crosses John. He, along with the Bureau and the U.S. Army, launches an attack on the Marston Ranch. Uh, Uncle is killed during the gunfight while John and son continue holding off the attack. John tells Abigail and Jack to run while he stays behind in the barn to defend them. Knowing that the chances of survival for John were slim, Abigail and John seal their love with a passionate kiss before riding off. But in reality, he realizes that the only way to save his family from the government's crosshairs is to lay down his life so they can be free. John sacrifices himself in a last stand against Ross and his men. After exiting the barn calmly and standing before a large firing squad, he draws his pistol and takes out as many men as he can until they open fire on him. Still standing, breathing harshly with multiple bullet wounds on his body, he drops his revolver, falls to his knees, and then eventually collapses backwards to the ground. As Ross watches Marston dying, he callously lights a cigar and is clearly satisfied with knowing that the final member of Dutch's gang is dead. Ross and his men leave the ranch. Abigail and Jack, upon hearing the ceasefire, return to find John's body in a pool of blood. They bury him on top of the hill overlooking the ranch, alongside Uncle. His grave is inscribed, Blessed are the Peacemakers. John's death at the hands of Ross is a poetic end to his life. His journey has been about what he would do for his family. He certainly kills for them. He helps swindle people in order to get at Bill Williamson. Uh, he works for both sides of the Mexican Civil War. He tortures a man with a with a prolonged beating to get information about Javier Escuela. He confronts the man who raised him, and in the end, he sacrifices himself to save his family so they could lead a better life, the reason he sought redemption in the first place. By his death, he knew that Ross wouldn't uh, persecute Abigail or Jack any longer, allowing them to start, a f uh, start life fresh, allowing Jack the chance to grow up without the brutality and violence that shaped John's early life. Sadly, despite his father's sacrifice, Jack possibly still goes on to become an outlaw. He tracks down and kills Edgar Ross in revenge without hesitation. The path to redemption, it seems, is a hard road to follow. In 1914, three years after John was killed, Abigail dies from unknown causes. An older Jack, now a mirror image of his father, buries her body up on the hill next to John's grave. From then on, he is the playable character through the remainder of the game, retaining all his father's weapons, clothes, money, horses, houses, and fame and honor. The rest of Jack's life is shrouded in mystery, although I think, it, although it's never specified canonically, I've always considered canonically the him killing Edgar Ross is probably what Jack would have done. Probably. Bred another outlaw. So, um, that's not it, at least for this episode. Um, what makes Red Dead Redemption beautiful, uh, coming from someone who's played it, is the world uh, and the massive amount of side quests. Like any game that Rockstar puts out, it usually has way more side quests than it does main quests, uh, which is kind of what I want from a game. Um, and I wanted to talk about probably the most, I guess, talked about uh, side quest in the game. It's the... Uh, the side quest with the strange man. If you've played the game, you know about it. 
If you haven't, you're going to hear about it. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, it's definitely an interesting one with a lot of theory and speculation behind it. Now, I know we don't dive into theory a ton in this channel, but I've always found it fun. Uh, I like video game theory a lot. Uh, Matt Pat's great. <laughs> I, I own a game theory hoodie. Um, I, I think it's fascinating. So, uh, I want to dive into this one just cause it's interesting. Uh, it is, uh, has a bunch of theories on it. And on top of that, I will, we want to give you as much content as we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, without further ado, Marston encounters a strange man south of Mescalero who seems to know a lot about Marston's past and claims to know him from his days running with Dutch's gang. However, the strange man is very coy and never reveals how he knows Marston. He then asks Marston to complete a couple tasks, both of which turn out to be moral dilemmas, and the strange man's tone hints at what course of action he believes Marston will take in each case. The strange man is a mysterious and metaphysical character. There are several uh, interpretations of the character's strange behavior and apparent supernatural abilities. None have been confirmed, although much of the evidence points to him being a, a St. Peter figure, shown by his description of himself as an accountant in a way, which could refer to the common Christian belief that St. Peter waits at the gates of heaven to welcome the deceased and, make, uh, and makes records of them. He later reminds John that he will be responsible for his actions, referring to uh, divine judgment. Moreover, he tells Marston that he has forgotten far more important people than himself, likely referring to Marston's agnosticism. During his appearance in Mexico, the fact that his mode of transportation is a mule rather than a horse suggests humility and possibly uh, intentional poverty slash selflessness, hinting further at a saintly figure. Also, the last encounter with him takes place at the site of Marston's grave, which the strange man notes is a fine spot. Despite this, there are many interpretations of the true nature of the strange man. Yeah, so you do this as John Marston, so the site is exactly where John Marston's grave will be. So I've always thought that was cool, how he talks about how it's a fine spot. Yeah. It is possible that the developers did not base the strange man on any religious figure, whether it be St. Peter, a god, a god, or death. This is supported by the fact that no matter if the player chooses the honorable or dishonorable way of completing the task, he will always say, I hope my boy turns out to be just like you. It is also possible that he is a manifestation of John Marston's sense of right and wrong, testing his morals and forcing John to make decisions on matters he may have seen or heard about previously. The strange man reveals a detailed knowledge of John Marston's history. He is impeccably dressed in a three-piece suit with a large top hat. The man appears to be calm and collected, even in the arid wilderness. He is also able to identify John Marston whenever Marston approaches him without actually looking at him. When questioned, he claims to be an accountant in a way, uh, but also claims he cannot remember his own name. No formal explanation is given for the strange man, leaving players to form their own conclusions about his nature. The strange man's apparent invulnerability to bullets his bizarre calm in the wilderness and his unusual knowledge of both Marston's own criminal past and the nature of Marston's victims seem out of place. Additionally, the strange man seems to foreshadow the location of their final encounter uh, as a fine spot. Um, so now we're going to dive into some more theories based on dialogue and other things. Uh, so uh, when the strange man responds to John's curse of damn you with yes, many have, 
This could allude to a number of colloquial blasphemous profanities involving the damnation of deities through numerous religions. It has also been suggested that the strange man is a personification of death, as only John interacts with him during the crucial events leading up to his death and is neutral in his requests as opposed to a good or evil deity. Also, the final location where you meet the strange man um, is where John eventually is buried. Other evidence that he's a personification of death is that John says that he'll not be responsible for his actions, and the man says, oh, but you will, which shows that he already knew that John would let himself be uh, shot as a final proof of love to his family so they wouldn't be chased anymore. The aforementioned accountant comment also hits at him being death. In the final encounter with the strange man, Marston attempts to shoot him as he walks away. However, the bullets do not harm him, and Marston looked at his gun as if something was wrong. This suggests that the, that the bullets went right through him. Despite this, it is possible to kill the strange man before the final encounter. He's rather resistant to bullets, however, taking several shots to the head to finally bring him down, also knocking him off the cliff where John first encounters him can kill him and fail the mission. Even if the players kill him, however, they're still able to complete the series of quests as he comes back to life for the next meeting. This lends credence to the theory that the strange man is in fact some form of deity akin to the devil or similar being from another mythology, kind of like Loki or Hades. Since John is being tempted to do evil, but the strange man himself does not appear evil, it could be an allusion to the version of the devil acting as a tempter, as in tempting pe people into evil without necessarily being evil. The invincibility probably comes with the job, and this would explain his description of himself as an accountant, as well as the fact that he knows a lot about John. Um, also, his appearance is not only similar to many, to many contemporary depictions of the devil, but also to many silent film villains. This juxtaposition with his kindly manner would suggest a more uh, refined evil. Another theory is that the strange man is the ghost of a previous victim of John Marston's past. This would be supported by the fact that there is a man in Blackwater that claims he knows John, and that John shot him, and that the strange man says, you have forgotten far more important people than me. This hints that he is just another victim that John killed with no second thought. Further evidence is that he gives John a few quests to complete with conscience involved. This could be the ghost's final test to see if John uh, has truly changed. There's another theory supporting that he is John's guardian angel as bullets do not harm him. His tasks for John, John are basic morality tests, and he seems to know everything about John. Um, and also is at leads him to his uh, where his grave is going to be. Uh, he probably chose this location uh, for John's body after his inevitable death. After the strange man uh, angers John by refusing to reveal his identity, John says he would not be responsible for his actions. Uh, again, the strange man says, oh, but you will, you will. This could be interpreted as an allusion to the belief that after one's death, a person is held responsible for his actions in the form of judgment and another reason to believe that the man is God, death, or some supernatural figure. The strange man could possibly uh, be neither Satan or God, but rather the angel of death itself, as everywhere John goes, death follows him, and no matter where John goes, he can't get away from the strange man. The strange man gives John opportunities to make moral choices, which are clearly defined as good or bad. Um... Remaining neutral and never tempting John to go either way, when Satan would try to pursue John to make evil choices, and God would command him to do good. Above all, the strange man seems to be fascinated with how easily John kills people, and ensures that John will be judged in the end. 
Yeah, so it's definitely, it's probably one of the only parts of the game that is questionable. Like, yeah. a lot of the game's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. There's not a lot of theory that needs to be thrown into Red Dead Redemption, but the strange man is definitely one uh, where uh, you just kind of don't know what he is. Uh, knowing what I know about the American kind of culture at the, this time, the depiction of someone looking like this being the devil has always been my depiction. It's the devil tempting someone yeah. or just having fun with someone. I've always, that my personal interpretation has always been that the strange man is the devil. Um, the only thing that kind of throws a, throws a monkey wrench into that is uh, when Marston says, damn you, and he goes, many have. So, which, I mean, a common colloquial, even now, involves damning God. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, I've never heard anyone go, Satan, damn you. Yeah. So, and even when I, like, comb through the history part of my brain. I, I still don't hear, like, even in old-timey things, like, devil damn you. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just not said often. Uh, it, it usually involves God. So that's where the God could come in. But I've always interpreted him as, uh, I've always interpreted God as being a lot less, being more commanding to do good. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, no, I definitely think it's more, the, the, the facts of what he says in the game and what he does leads more towards devilish than uh, than God. And, and maybe it's my D and D brain, but devils are always lawful evil. Uh, lawful, yeah, lawful evil. Um, lawful evil uh, allows you a way out, uh, and that's what the devil's doing. That's what I think the strange man is doing. He's allowing you a way out. So if you don't want to make those choices, that's fine. But the devil gave you the choices to make. And right. he knows the kind of person you are. He's going to know that you're going to do those choices. Unless you don't. Unless you are truly reformed. And then the devil has no hold over you, John Marston. So, yeah. uh, But I've always interpreted the strange man as the devil. Yeah, no, it makes a bit more sense to me. Um, it's probably, I think, the most interesting one. At least in, as far as that's concerned. Uh, and it matches, his description matches. Uh, oh, yeah. Des descriptions of the devil at the time because he was yeah, seen. I, I feel like descriptions of God isn't usually in a black tuxedo, right? the 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 strange man it definitely looks like the devil. Uh, depictions of that time, not just in silent films, but in media in general. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've always that's how I've always interpreted it. Uh, you can interpret it however you want. I think that's the beauty of uh, this side quest is it is up to your interpretation. Uh, I'm not right. Uh, neither are you, but I'm I not, am. you're not wrong. <laughs> I'm not wrong and neither are you. That's right. what I love about these things, uh, is that we can debate about this all day, but at the end of the day, we're never going to have an answer unless Rockstar comes forward and says, the strange man is fucking death. <laughs> like, uh, so yeah, I've, I've just really liked it. Um, and I want to talk about it since we're doing a Red Dead Redemption episode because I think it's one of the more interesting characters I've seen in a video game. He reminds me a lot of Gontaro Dim from The Witcher. Yes. Except uh, the Gontaro Dim is explicitly, well, it's not explicitly said what he is. Right. But it's heavily implied what he is. Although I was listening to someone, if you don't know what we're talking about, Gontaro Dim is one of the big characters in the Heart of Stone expansion, yep. which low-key we almost did today. 
Low key, I almost did Heart of Stone instead of this. I mean, I, we, I think we need to establish more Witcher before we dive into Witcher DLC. Yeah, probably. So that that's why I haven't dove, done that yet. I, I, we need to do a Witcher three episode. Oh yeah. We haven't even touched Witcher. Well, well we did touch a little bit of Witcher one and Witcher two, but like we should really do more Witcher two. And then Witcher 3, and then we can do Heart of Stone, and then we can do Blood and Wine. Yeah. So we got a lot of time to go before we truly dive into Gontaro Din, but Gontaro Din is one of the main characters in the DLC of Heart of Stone for The Witcher 3, and uh, the strange man has always reminded me a lot of Gontaro Din. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Except uh, the Master Mirror is definitely more explicitly evil. Yeah. It's just the kind of evil. But I was listening to a guy on YouTube who goes by the name Witcher George, which his name's actually George. It isn't just a reference to the character in a note in The Witcher 3. Um, who one of his theories about who Gontaro Din was was a rogue genie or rogue jinn. Yeah. Because jinn exist in The Witcher 3 uh, or The Witcher universe. It's the, the first novel canonically is The Last Wish. Uh, which involves a genie wish, uh, and through that and through that whole tale, that's the first meeting of Yennefer and uh, Geralt. And you can even get a quest in The Witcher Three called The Last Wish, which is a callback to uh, that through a genie. So he was talking about a rogue genie. Now it's too fa- the Gontaro Din is too Faustian, in my opinion, to be a genie. You know what I mean by Faustian? Kind of. Uh, the the tale of Dr. Faust, who made a deal with the devil mm-hmm. uh, to gain supernatural powers. Like, that's where the original deal with the devil comes from. And that's all Gontaro Din does, is make deals. Right. So. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. So I've always considered Gontaro Din definitely, like, some Faustian devil. Anyway, that's all I got for Red Dead. Yeah, Red Dead. Like we like to end every episode. Nick, what have you been playing? I've been playing a fuck ton of Dead Cells. How do you like it? I love that game. It's fun. It's great. If you don't remember... Great review. Done. 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 10 10 10 10 If you don't remember, we, um, uh, we all... Me, Josh, and our friend Bro played this game at uh, PAX this year, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the only games that we all three of us played. Um, and we all loved it. And I picked it up for my Switch. And it's great. It's a lot of fun. They just did an AMA on the Nintendo Switch subreddit. The developers. So. Oh yeah, I saw that they were going to do that. Yeah, if you're uh, interested in uh, this game at all and want to hear what the developers have to say, AMA on Reddit stands for Ask Me Anything. Uh, and it would be under Nintendo Switch on Reddit. The subreddit. If you don't know about what a subreddit is, Google it. I'm not going to be able to explain that. It's like Wait, a what? different chat room. Or not chat room, a uh, different forum. Yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. I would highly suggest anybody definitely look into it. Um, if it looks like it's your cup of tea, pick it up. It's pretty fun. Like I said, I've been playing that literally like exclusively like for the past week. Um, and then other than that, uh, just Pokemon Go. It's been a it's been a week. You literally just caught a Reggie Rock. I literally just caught a Reggie Rock before this uh, recording. Before this recording. Um, Ready Rock dropped at four o'clock. So at four o'clock, I was at the park and a egg spawned. So by five o'clock, a Ready Rock popped, and I did it with a bunch of people, and I caught it. So that was dope. Um, 
I also the this past um this past weekend was uh community weekend because Niantic likes to give us heartburn. Um and they they did uh Saturday and Sunday because it was uh Evie. We got damn moist. And yeah, we got real moist cuz it rained all weekend, but uh we had to go out uh to get a lot of Evies because um Evie is uh, if you Evie has a trick to uh, to change what it evolves into be, uh, by nicknaming the Eevee based on uh, trainers from the anime who had evolutions, um, but if you had if you were like me and you used those tricks when the game first came out, um, those tricks are a one time deal. Um, so if you want another Vaporeon, you can't name it Rainer. Uh, you're gonna go random. Um, so it was. Uh, it was a goal to get as as many shiny evolutions as you can. Um, I ended up getting enough shiny EVs to get one of every evolution. I had an extra Jolteon. Uh, I'm working on getting Espeon and Umbreon because you got to walk with them because that's how they do friendship in this game. And then I have uh, three extra saved for Glaceon, Leafeon, and Sylveon whenever those come into the game. Uh, unlike Nick, I took a break from the game, so... I didn't actually use any of the names except Rainer because Vaporeon's my favorite evolution. So I just caught pretty decent shiny Eevees and was able to immediately evolve them into what I wanted. Uh, so that was pretty handy. So I have a full set of uh, current shiny evolutions. Um, yeah. yeah so. I think that was it. Um, I'm hoping... I feel like... Oh, they announced Celebi today. We're going to get that uh, next week, the 20th. Mm-hmm. So it'll be, when you hear this episode, Celebi will already be in-game. Uh, the quest for it. Um, hopefully they're not a pain in the ass. I should probably finish that Mew quest, huh? Yeah, probably. I'm glad it doesn't go away. Yeah. Uh, that was my concern, that it would that it would just go away um, when Celebi came out. But they said that you can start Celebi as long as you're at least to the third part of the Mew quest, and you can do both simultaneously. Ooh, I am past the third part. Yeah, I think that's what it said. And so. you can do both simultaneously. Nice. So if anybody doesn't have Mew yet, like Josh, not to worry. Just get to the third, past the third quest, or to the third quest. I don't remember the exact word. You can look it up, and then you can start Celebi. And I th- think that's about it. Uh, all I've been playing, actually. I say all I've been playing like it's one thing. Uh, Fortnite's still, still like running around shooting stuff. Uh, they just came out with some burger skin for it. So I've been running around telling people to, and I quote, lick up my special sauce and other uh, burger-related profanities. Hot. It's been fun. Um, so that's been great. Uh, I downloaded Okami. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to my ex-roommate from college, Dylan, who, uh, for my birthday, which just passed, um sent me a uh, Nintendo gift card uh, and I quote enjoy your Mario porn or whatever you do on your Switch so uh, thank you Dylan I <laughs> definitely am going to enjoy my Mario porn and by that I bought the game Okami because the sounds H- like Mario porn the HD uh, version was released for the Switch so I've been playing that it is a strange game I've never gotten really into Japanese and or Chinese uh kind of mythology like this before so it's been fun and uh on top of that i also started a new file in 
Skyrim so that I can do a full vampire playthrough because this fucking campaign is taking over my life. Yeah, so we'll segue into that, the D&D corner. So uh, under D&D corner, um, now we have to talk about two sessions. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I started DMing, uh, and I'm running through Curse of Strahd. Uh, we went through the town. Uh, well, very first, I realized that my players are stupid. Uh, and this is no offense to you. I love you with all my heart. I know who reached out and touched the mist. So I give my players two options, right? Um, to the, you, you wake up on a path uh, at a campfire that you didn't start. To the left of you is a village, uh, small, a uh, little bit run down, but definitely inhabited. To the right of you is a wall of mist. Where do you go? I mean, I wanted to go to the town. Because that makes fucking sense, right? Yeah. Our party row goes, I want to touch the mist. Did, and I went, I have no, I, I had no intentions of coming up with a, an encounter, but I was like, a werewolf comes out. So, like, immediately, I was like, okay, cool, you're all dumb, I love it. So you go into the village and you meet a woman selling pies. Uh, um, she, uh, gra- you can call me granny. Yeah. Uh, Fucking granny over here. Um, so our paladin doesn't trust this guy, uh, this, this kindly old woman giving you guys a free pie. Uh, so he blesses it and the pie pops. Um, so granny's coming up with an excuse for that. Uh, everyone else is like, wow, we probably shouldn't eat these pies that are popping every time they are blessed. Yeah. And our rogue proceeds to eat the pie. I don't know what is wrong with her other than whatever. Um, so they uh, meet Ismark. They, if you know anything about Christopher Strahd, he is the mayor of this town. They uh, agree to escort uh, his sister to a neighboring town uh, or a nearby town, I guess. They um, go and to the church to bury the mayor's father before they leave. There's a vampire kid in the basement that our paladin proceeded to murdulate. Yep. They go to the first Vistani camp. Um, and uh, they, they get their cards read. So now I can plan the rest of the fucking campaign. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you don't know anything about Curse of Strahd, there's a card mechanic. Basically, uh, you read cards kind of like tarot cards, uh, and it decides where key items, characters, and places are in the campaign. So I read everyone's cards. I uh, had to come up with some bullshit on the spot, but now I can plan the rest of the campaign. Uh, and that's about as far as we've gotten in the two sessions. Uh, it's a lot of fun, I think. Yeah, it's really fun. I don't really know how fun. well I'm doing as a DM. No, you're doing really well. Uh, I've never DM'd before. Uh, well, not really. I ran through Death House once, but that's not much. Hey, uh, I, I think I'm struggling with encounters. Uh, I think I need to make encounters more interesting, and I have some ways of doing that. And I'm really looking forward to that because uh, the next session is going to be a little encounter heavy. So, but it's encounter heavy with story mixed into it. So I'm hoping I can uh, tell the story during encounters the way I want to. Well, they're all fucked. Why? I'm not going to be there next week. Oh, you're not. They're, they're literally not going to have their main DPS. Do me a favor. I'm going to have you... Do you have it on you, your character sheet? No. Can you scan it at work and email it to me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll have it. I'll play your character for you. He won't die. Um. Uh, I've... Well, 
I'm DM. Your character is not going to die when you're not there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so next time we run through this, this will be the first time Nick will be hearing about the session. Yeah. So yeah, I forgot you weren't going to be there next week. Damn. Uh, I have a rule as a DM. If one person can't make it, the game goes on. If two can't make it, it doesn't. So um, yeah. What? <laughs> I, know, I know what. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Curse of Stride's a lot of fun. I'm taking a lot of liberties with the campaign, uh, which I really like doing as a DM. Uh, I really like telling stories as a person. Uh, that's why we have a lore podcast. Uh, so I'm taking a lot of liberties with the campaign, but I think that it's all working out so far. So uh, I think when we start getting towards more of the places you guys need to go, I am going to rely on the book more. But, yeah. So, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm surprised you guys didn't ask more questions to Madame Eva. Um, especially about where things are. But, uh, okay. Whatevs. Not my problem. Seems like yours. Yeah. I know where everything is. I know how the campaign ends. Um, so, uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's DM Corner. Uh, it is going to be a little bit stranger than it used to be because uh, I'm telling the story and then retelling the story. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just going to give a rundown quickly. Uh, might be a little bit more in-depth. Might be a little less in-depth. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, that's fun. And I have another game. <laughs> I'm also playing through Curse of Strahd as a player, my Triton Warlock. Uh, and, uh, I have another game of that on Saturday, so, uh, I'm looking forward to playing some D&D with people all around the East Coast. Yeah. Because I play with people in New Hampshire, New York, Massachusetts, Connecticut, we're all playing, so. Yeah. Much um, vampires. Much vampires. So many vampires in my life currently. It's a real thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I'm kind of on a vampire kick. I'm absolutely going to be sick of vampires by the end of it, so I can't wait for the plans I have after Strahd, uh, implying you all survive. And, um, yeah, no, should be fun. Because uh, it's definitely not going to have to do with fucking vampires after Strahd, <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Yeah, there's a lot of Twilight happening. Dude, these vampires are not Twilight I vampires. <laughs> I keep, so, uh, every now and then when you guys are traveling, I roll for encounters. Uh, and now normally the traveling encounters don't have it as an option, but on the Castle Ravenloft, it is an option for Strahd to show up. Just show up. Yep. I, uh, transferred that over the number for that. Uh, I swapped them or I didn't swap them, but I, I took one of the ones out for the, uh, random encounters in, in the wilderness mm. uh, and I put Strahd as one of them. So there is a chance nice. that you guys will just run into Strahd von Zarovich. Nice. And I really can't wait for you guys to meet. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look forward to that. It's going to be great. So, yeah. Because um, right now, you've only heard of Strahd. Right, exactly. So. Heard of him by name. I'm not even sure if he he's 100 implied and 100% implied to be a... Uh, he's implied to be a monster, but I don't think I've ever... Ex- Explicitly said he's a vampire. No, I don't think our characters know he's a vampire. Yeah, I don't think your characters know he's a vampire. They just know he's very powerful and a monster of sorts. Yeah. Um, I like how when you met the Vistani, you were instantly suspicious because they were fine with Strahd. Yeah. 
Uh, which is exactly what I wanted to do because the Vistani. I think like yeah, I think my character from that conversation knows that he's that he's magical of some sorts. Yeah, because they they saved Strahd because I I explicitly said generations ago. Yeah, like I I knew what I was saying with that. They he saved Strahd generations ago, so Strahd's been alive for a while. Um, but they were like, hey, it's fine. Strahd <laughs> and I, Strahd and the Vistani, we get along fine. Um. But yeah, I, uh, I've uh, can't wait for Strahd to show up. I got uh, something to show you uh, afterwards. I'll, I'll get it in a second. <laughs> but uh, it's Strahd related. Anyway, um, check us out on social media. Yeah. Drop my phone. Uh, check us out on social media. You couldn't fucking wait. No, you we're literally gonna be done in like a m- two seconds. Uh, no, because I'm gonna get it while I'm saying all this because um, this is all just fucking habit now. It's like when I pick up the phone every now and then I'll pick up. Thanks for calling now, but Josh speaking. <laughs> um, uh, check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore Tales. Again, that is at Navi underscore Tales. Send us pictures of your vampires. Um, uh, until next time, we'll see you then. Right. Love you. Like a big spectacle out of fucking mental illness. Just fucking throw it out there for everyone to fucking deal with. It's fucking awful. Yeah. I can, when they announced it and and I was like, they were doing a thing on suicide. I was like, oh, now I'm interested. Like a a show on suicide. Yeah. Because like, if that's going to be the focal point of the show, like, wow, that's something that's affected my life. Like, I'm really, I really want to know what more they have. And then I've heard the actual premise and I was like, oh. Oh, this is just toxic. Yeah. That's just not good for anyone. Didn't uh, AAG do a video on that? On that show? He might have. Yeah, he, he did. IAG did an episode on uh, 13 Reasons Why. Did you watch it? Yeah. Yeah. He did it on season two. Okay. I don't, I don't remember if he did it on There's the a show. little bit of a recap of season one in there, but he did it on season two. Um, he, uh, as IAG does, he usually... Uh, kind of goes through it through a film sense as opposed to a topic sense, although he does touch on it in that video. I don't have a fucking quote for this episode. The federal government creates the Bureau of Investigation. Fuck. As Ross watches Marston dying, he callously lights a cigar and is clear... clear, mm. Marston counters a strange man south of Mescalero. Mescalero. Sure. Moreover, he tells Marsh- Marston. Moreover, he tells Mar- <clears throat> Fuck. Um, fuck this next one. I forgot to take that one out when I went, that's bullshit. Or maybe it's because I was listening to a bunch of podcasts on the Men in Black today. Whatever. Just skip the Men in Black paragraph. All right. So. Why do, we, why do I feel like we're just going to get pictures of people's weird boyfriends and girlfriends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we absolutely are. Hot. <laughs>